0: Everyone, welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. I always love conversations like that with Dwight. Just thinking about where uh, God has taken this uh, church—not just in the past thirty-plus years, but in the past hundred hundred years. I mean, it's. It's exciting to see, to look back, to see what God's done in order to, to continue to inspire us to, to look ahead and what God wants to continue to do in our lives. And I especially love the part is he just just reminding us that uh, this vision that God has given the church our church—it's not about—it's not about what we think is best. It really goes all the way back to, to Jesus and and the vision that Jesus not only has for the church or has for New Point, but the vision that Jesus has for you in your life. And that's really, what, uh, that's really what we're gonna talk about today is the vision that Jesus has, not only for us as a church, but the, G- the vision that Jesus has for you in your individual life. Before we get into that though today, I just wanna welcome all of you at all six of our campuses. Uh, it is an honor to be with you. Also, for those of you joining us online, uh, it's a thrill for us uh, to be together. I mean, this is, New Point is a very special church to be a part of. God, I hope you see this. God is at work in our midst. And it's good to be with you today. And uh, I don't know if you ever think about this, but, but it's important that we do this, that we get together every Sunday morning. Uh, there's a lot of reasons, and, and maybe we all have a little bit different reasons. In fact, maybe some of the reasons that you came this morning or that you logged in online, probably all over the map, But the reason, one of the reasons at least, it's so important that I know is true about us is that we lose sight of that vision that Jesus has for us. The thing that is not hard, the one thing that you'll never have to work hard at in your life is this. You'll never have to work hard about seeing your life as you think it's best of being in control of your life. You'll never have to work hard at being in control of your life or wanting to be in control of your life. The thing that we'll always have to work hard at is not having a vision for our own life, but remembering this vision that God has called us all to be a part of. I, I think of this vision, if, if I, could, if I could, could sum it up this way, I, I wanna borrow a quote from theologian John Calvin because I think this quote says it so well of what God has called us and this is so important because like I mentioned, it is it is easy for us to make the story of our life about small things, about temporary things, about things that a hundred years from now won't really matter. So that's why it's important that we gather as a church because it's important to remember what God has called us to. And this is what I believe he's called it to. John Calvin said this. He said, we, that means all of us, the church, we must do this. We must make the invisible kingdom visible in our midst. I mean, no big deal, right? No big deal to take a God who we can't see, we can't talk to, we can't hear, we can't sit, sit down across the table from, and no big deal to make an invisible God visible to those around us, right? I mean, what, what could be harder, than, like, what could be easier than that, right? I say this is a big vision that God has called us to, that Jesus has called us to, not just as his church, but each one of us as individuals. Like God has called you in your life. The vision for your life, the purpose for your life is that God has created you. He has worked in your story and working through your story to make him who is invisible to the world around you. He wants to use you so that he can become visible to those who have yet to experience how real he is, how good he is, and how much he loves us. To me, this is, this is crazy that God would trust us (laughs) to show the world around us who he is. It's crazy. And I think there's a few things that's important to keep in mind here. One is this is something that we could never do on our own. None of us are smart enough, capable enough, talented enough. Uh, None of us could ever do this on their own. In fact, I think there's three key components that make this possible. The first is God. In John, in John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says this He says, It's the Father. The Father is the one who draws the hearts of men to Himself. Ultimately, the one who makes the invisible visible is none other than God Himself. God has the biggest part to play in this, but. God won't always do it on his own. Instead, for whatever reason, God has invited you and me into participating in this. Uh, Apostle Paul says we are co-laborers with Christ in this task of making the invisible visible. So I wonder, in your life, how how are you doing with this? How are we doing with this? Now, it's really, um, it's really, I think, easy for sometimes preachers or pastors to uh, say, hey, if you just do point one, two, 2, and 3, if you just take these steps, then this will just happen on its own. I wanna just admit today up front, it's never, <laughs> it's never as simple, it's never as easy as, as that. One, because the God whom we serve, the God whom we love, he's mysterious. We'll never fully figure him out. We'll never fully understand him. But we know that this is the task that he's called us to. And so we just have to do our part and do what we can control. And that's us collectively as the church. That's why he gives us each other. That's why he gives us a community. But we each have our individual part to play in this too. And that's really where I want to start today. It's kind of what does God, how, how, I mean, how do we even get started with this? I just really wanna give us one thought today. And it comes from uh, the apostle Paul in, uh, in Ephesians chapter five. And I think this, um, if I could sum it up in, in one verse, this would be the one verse that I would sum it up with and how to make an invisible God visible. This is what Ephesians chapter five says. It says, so be careful how you live. That's an important first sentence. Be careful how you live. Again, that's a reminder that for you and I, the most natural thing for us to do is to think about ourselves first. We're, we're pretty, we're good at that. It's easy for us. And so we often get caught up just going through life, thinking about the next thing that we think is most important. So this is just a reminder like, hey, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools by, like those who are wise. All that simply means, hey, keep the larger story that you're a part of in perspective. Don't get lost in the little things in life. It goes on to say this. He says, make the most, of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Days Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I love this one line, make the most of every opportunity. How do we make an invisible God visible? I think the thing we can control more than anything is to take advantage of the opportunities that God's given you. Here's the thing about opportunities. Opportunities are temporary. For those of you that are in business, those of you business leaders, you know that when a business opportunity comes up, if you don't snatch onto that right away, there's a good chance that in a short period of time, that opportunity is going to be gone and never come back again. That's the that's the nature of opportunities. So let me ask you this: Think back to this past week, kind of go back. This past week, Martin Luther King was Monday. Junior Day was Monday. You know, you went through the week this week. Like, um, what opportunities? Did God give you this week to make the invisible visible? Maybe some of you thought of something right now. When I asked myself this question and preparing this message, here's what I did. Huh. Hmm. I had a hard time coming up with something. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but but I, I did. And, and as I thought about that, there's probably a couple of reasons maybe why, if, if that was you, you had a hard time thinking like, hey, what opportunities did God give you this week? There's probably a couple of reasons for that. One, one is, I mean, maybe there weren't any opportunities. I mean, that's one possibility. Or the second thing that's probably more true for me at least is this. I probably just failed to see them. I probably failed to see the opportunity as an opportunity. And I think there's multiple reasons that we, can, we often do that, why we can often miss opportunities and what prevents us from making the most of opportunities to show a God who is so real to us to make him real to the rest of the world. And I wanna to go to Mark uh, chapter 5 to talk about maybe why we miss some of these opportunities. In Mark chapter five, verses one through 20, this is a story about a a man who was possessed by a demon. And uh, he, this guy was out of his mind. Like literally he was out of his mind. Uh, He was so crazy and he was deemed as such a danger to those around him that the community that he lived in, in the gatherings on the the Eastern side of the the Sea of Galilee, the community that he was a part of banished him to the graveyard. Like that's the only place that, that he could live. In fact, he was so intimidating, he seemed so dangerous to the people around him that they would often bind him in chains. Just to just to protect themselves, or maybe even to try to protect this guy from himself. Uh, in Mark five, it says though that because of these demons that were had had taken uh, like possession of his life, he had gotten this like supernatural strength that he would often break free from these chains. You know, um, Jesus, as we as we look at his life and his ministry, and uh, he was a guy that you I, I think I think you'd say like he made the most of his opportunities. Sometimes those opportunities were interruptions in some of his other plans. Some of those opportunities were very intentional. I believe this was a very intentional opportunity. When Jesus steps foot onto the shore where this demon-possessed man, scripture says the man ran towards Jesus. He recognized who he was. He recognized that this man was more than just a man. This demon-possessed man realized that the divine had come into his world. Scripture, the story goes on to say that Jesus cast these demons out from this man. And once these demons had left this man, they went into this herd of pigs that was close by. These pigs ran off a cliff, fell into the lake and ended up drowning. Here's where I wanna focus on is the people who witnessed this whole thing take place. The men, the women who saw this miracle take take shape before them. Here's what their response was. This is Mark chapter five, uh, starting in verse 14. It says, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in town in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they come to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because the divine had just become visible. They were afraid. So those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. The divine had come into their very world. And what did they ask? They asked him to leave. Why? Well, Jesus disrupted their comfort. He disturbed what they knew. And because he disrupted their comfort, they asked him to leave. And you know what? That same uh, instinct I think exists in you and I. One of the reasons we often miss opportunities is just because we lack a willingness to be disrupted. We like to be in control. We have our plans. We like to control our schedule. But often, often the way that a, a, a invisible God becomes visible, some of the most common instances are when people like you and me are willing to be disrupted. Our schedule to be disrupted, our plan to be disrupted, uh, all of those things in order to serve someone else. We like to be comfortable. And honestly, it's our comfort that often gets in the way of us taking advantage of opportunities that God puts right in front of us. In in Mark chapter five, it goes on to say this, and this is a second reason I think we can often miss opportunities. Um, And and this this is talking now about the man who was healed. This is his response to Jesus. It says, Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, begged to go. I mean, wouldn't you do the same? If, if you were healed like this with Jesus, wouldn't, you're, wouldn't the, the thing you'd want to do more than the thing? You'd want to go with Jesus too, this man who had just changed your world for the better. You'd want to follow him too. But this is what Jesus said to the man. Jesus, he didn't let him. He said, instead, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You see, I I think uh, the thing that this guy struggled with is the same thing that you and I can struggle with. This guy, he wanted to be with Jesus and what he failed to realize about himself is that he now had incredible potential to make an invisible God visible. And so do you. So do you. I, I would say maybe the reason most of us often fail to take advantage of the opportunities God puts in front of us is because you don't believe in yourself to have the impact that you can have as much as God believes in you. The apostle Paul in second Corinthians, this is, this is how he talks about you and me. Look at this verse. Uh, and, and this gets into the second thing, which is a lacking of conviction in being God's ambassador. This is what Paul says. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone's in Christ, that means if you've ever said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and savior of my life. I wanna follow you. You are first in my life. If you've ever done that, that means you're in Christ. If any of you are in Christ, listen Listen to this description. The new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who has been reconciled us to himself through Christ to give us the ministry of reconciliation. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And this is the key descriptor for you and I. We, you, me, are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God's greatest tool to make himself visible to our world, it's you. He wants to, he wants to use you. For me, that's crazy. Because often I don't think I can make that much of a difference. And sometimes sometimes these opportunities, sometimes they're big things. Sometimes they're little things. Sometimes it's one of those things where you're just driving down the road and, and God brings somebody on your heart, puts somebody on your mind. And, and really all you need to do is just send them a quick text. Hey, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. It could be an opportunity as simple as that. It could be something more significant. Maybe you have somebody you work with. that's it, in your office or at, at your place of work where, man, you know they're going through a really difficult time. It's just being willing to walk over to their desk or walk over to their workspace just to, just to ask them if you can pray for them. Ask them if there's anything that you can do for them. Maybe there's somebody in your family. Maybe there's somebody in your family who has yet to, who's yet to be in Christ. And you just take advantage of every opportunity you get, not to preach at them, but just to continue to share how your experience of a good God is. Those opportunities come before us all the time. Maybe, it, maybe it's an opportunity that's as simple as this. Maybe it's as simple as coaching a sport. That's one of the that's one of the best opportunities I've had in my life. When my kids were young, uh, I just I just coached their sports team, and and selfishly, I did it because I wanted to spend time with them. I mean, I love sports, so it was a lot of fun for me. It wasn't much of a disruption. I mean, other than uh, trying to herd four and five-year-old little girls um, to uh, kick a soccer ball in the right direction. I mean, that definitely can be disruptive at times. But uh, man, God used that. God used that in, in ways that went beyond the sport. Uh, I remember this, uh, this young gal named Haley. She joined our team uh, in first grade. When, I, when my girls were in first grade. And uh, she, she was a lot of fun. And, and at the time I started through that sports team, get to know her family a little bit. They weren't a part of a church at the time. And uh, they started kind of coming to church here and there. The next sports season came around where she was on my team again. And that time I asked her dad, Luis, to help me. Coach, and He started helping me for, for several seasons. We coached the same team together. And the best thing about that is a few years after I first met them, I had the opportunity to baptize Luis. And not only that, I then saw Luis baptize all of his own family right? Sometimes opportunities, they don't have to be these big, grandiose things. Sometimes they're little. Sometimes they're things we love doing. Sometimes they are disruptions to do things that we don't want to do. But that, that's really how the partnership of us as individuals and in the church come together. See, the, the, the vision for our church is also to make an invisible God visible. It's why we do a lot of the things we do. It's, it's not only why we gather on Sunday morning, it's why we do many of the events that we do. But our hope is that we're not just doing events just to do events. In fact, the thing that we wanna do is we wanna create experiences, not events. We wanna create experiences more than events. That's why we're doing Armor Sports. And, and uh, we just started Armor Sports at the Dover campus this past week. We're doing basketball and cheer. Uh, uh, it, it, it's going great. We have over t- about 200 participants involved in this very first season, which is incredible. But here from about 20 different schools, from we have many uh, families that are involved kind of from all of our communities where our campuses are at. Here's the best part. Here's the best part over 50% of those participants, their families are not attached to church at all. That's why we do it. And we're not preaching Jesus at them at practice or at the games, but what we hope to do with experiences like that is we're just trying to create relationships so that when they get to a point in their life where they want, where they're maybe a little bit hungry to do to pursue God, or where a crisis hits and they need God in their life, like they know who they can talk to to point them in the right direction. That's why we do these things. Last week, Dwight talked about the father, uh, the daddy daughter date night. That's coming up in a couple weeks. Again, dads, if you haven't, uh, if you have not uh, registered for that, be sure to do that at your campuses. Uh, we do that, not just to. Have fun, um, which, by the way, we will. In fact, uh, it's an '80s theme this year. Would you guys like to see a little picture of, of uh, me and my girls? We had something like this a few years ago. Uh, so this is this is us a few years ago. So dads, take notes, all right? Because in a couple weeks, you'll have you'll have opportunities to create some of these. Ministry. And by the way, by the way, I mean I know that that hair. I mean that that mane is majestic. Right. When I, when I was talking to Dwight about coming to here, he, he, he said I had to cut it or I could, could come. So by the that's a wig just to be safe. So it, it's completely, that's a wig, but we do that one because dads, we want to set you up to win in your family. That's part of our vision is we want to help dads win and lead in their homes. We want parents to win and lead in their homes. But this is also an opportunity for you to invite some of your family and friends who are yet to be in Christ. Like that's why we do these things. Uh, later this uh, l- later uh, this summer, we're looking ahead. We're, we're excited about camp again for any students that are in the room—high school students or or middle school students or parents of kids. Like we're excited about camp because camp gives us an incredible opportunity for students who are often. They're busy. I mean, they are so busy in today's world. They have so many things pulling on their attention, grabbing their focus. They're striving to figure out what they're going to make their lives all about. And the beauty of a camp is it gives them an opportunity to, to pull away from all that stuff and remember that the most important thing in their life is that they are a child of God. They have a God who loves them. They have a God who is good, and they have a God who has incredible. Plans for their life it has a credible vision for their life that's better than something they could ever come up with on their own that's why we do camp in fact, we feel so strongly about that that this year's camp we're greatly reducing the prices for our middle school camp and high school camp it's we're, we're only charging ninety nine dollars now it costs a lot more a lot more than that, but we feel so strongly about that if if students can figure this out at a young age it's going to set them up for all of their adult life like it's that important. This is also the first year we're doing a camp for kids. For incoming third through fifth graders, we're gonna be doing a camp at the Dover campus. Uh, uh, We're gonna bus all the other campuses here three days, three days, and we're gonna get them started at a younger age, just showing them that that they're loved by God and they have a God who has incredible plans for them. We have a God who not only, Jesus not only came to redeem us. I think this is important that we remember. This is part of the vision for all of our lives. Jesus not only came to redeem us and get us to heaven, Jesus also came to invite us to participate in the redemption of the world. That's a story that we wanna start setting in their hearts at a young age. That kid's camp's only gonna be $50. Again, it cost way more than that, but that's how strongly we feel about it. That registration, by the way, for that opens up in a couple of weeks. Another experience that we created, I'm just going to remind you, Dwight mentioned this last week, but we're doing a marriage seminar. Our marriages are under attack. The family is the lifeblood of our culture. And if marriages are strong, families are strong. And if families are strong, communities are strong. And if communities are strong, our world is strong. Take advantage of those opportunities that we have. We don't do them just because they're fun. And they are fun. We do them to remind us of this larger vision that we're a part of, and hopefully as opportunities to point people to Jesus. There's a couple of things that I would... um, that I would just say that we could continue to do. Opportunities we have in front of us every single week. Uh, here at the church, we call a lot of those, these are next steps. And again, we don't do these just for things to do, just, just to do things that feel religious. We we encourage you to take these next steps because they're opportunities to grow in your faith. They're opportunities for you to grow in your trust. They're opportunities in which God can use you to help others grow in their faith. And here, here's what what a few of those would be. The first one, it would be this, is, is five by 2021. 20 What's our part? five by 2025? Here's what I mean This Dwight's talked about this before. Again, God wants to use you to make him visible to those around you. Here's, here's all I'd encourage you to do. Who are five people in your life? It doesn't have to be five. If it's one, that's a great place to start. Who's one or two or three, five people you have in your life whom God has called you to be an ambassador to? Would you, would you just write their name down or their names down? Write it down in a journal, put it on a Post-it note, put it on your, your steering wheel, just as a way that anytime you see it, that you just pray for them. Just pray for them. Just start praying for them. You don't have to do anything with it. Just as a reminder to pray that God would draw their heart to them. Here's the second thing you could do is just be, continue to be generous with your invitations. And, and again, it's not to come down on people and say, hey, you really need to come with us, but more just like, hey, when you're ready, when you're ready, man, I'd love to have you come to church. I'd love to have you come to the father, daughter, dance with us. I'd love to have you. Be generous with your invitations. The third thing would be disrupted with your servant. And I chose that word on purpose, be disrupted. I don't know that serving comes natural for many of us. But when we serve others, it doesn't matter if it's in the church or if it's just in your everyday ordinary life. We are often most Christ-like when we are serving others. Why? <laughs> because he served us. He served us. And we would love to have you serve in our church as well. We have lots of places. We could use you and we need you. And that's kind of fun where uh, how individually and, and the collective comes together. The more of us that are serving together, the more opportunity we have together to make an invisible God visible. So if you'd love to learn more about what serving could look like in your church, Um, fill that out on your Next Step card, take it to the info desk at your campus. We'd love to have that conversation or come to Discover New Point in a couple of weeks. We talk a lot about what serving looks like there. Four, be faithful with your giving. Your giving continues to make all of this ministry possible to make an invisible God visible. And fifth would be this, be relentless with your prayers. Be relentless with your prayers. I actually just read this this week. Um, Evangelist D.L. Moody, uh, one of the... (laughs) most incredible evangelist in the last 200 years. Uh, I just read this about him. When he came uh, to Christ in his late teens, he immediately felt a call upon his life and uh, that drove him to just incredible ministry, not just in the United States, but all over the world. But one of the coolest things I read about D.L. Moody this week was that uh, somewhere in his early years of being a Christian, uh, he wrote down, 100 names, family, friends, acquaintances who were yet to be in Christ, who had yet to come to put their trust and faith in Jesus. And he committed to pray for those 100 names every single day. I don't know if he prayed for them every day, if he ever missed a day, but he prayed for them all the time. At the end of his life, at at his funeral, out of those 100 names, 97 of those 100 names had come to Christ in D.L. Moody's lifetime. 97 out of the 100 had come to Christ's lifetime because he had committed to praying for them all the time. Prayer is powerful, folks. If you haven't figured that out yet, try it for yourself, like it's powerful. And there's probably no more powerful prayer than praying that God, that someone would open their eyes to who Jesus is and what he wants for them in their lives. Here's the kicker. At D.L. Moody's funeral, those three who had not yet accepted Christ had put their trust in Jesus were at his funeral. And at his funeral were so moved that they finally surrendered their life to him too. Those prayers are powerful. Would you be praying for those people in your life who God wants you to make the invisible visible? Here's the last thing I'd, I wanna uh, say today. I know some of us that are here at our campuses today, center in our auditoriums, whether you've been in church for a lot of your life or maybe you're new to church, if you're honest with yourself, this invisible God still hasn't been made visible to you. You struggle to feel that he's real, that he's personal, that he loves you, and that he has plans for your life. And if that's you, could I give you three things I'd encourage you to do? Like if you really, really wanna know if he's real, if you really wanna know if he loves you, like here's for me the three most important things you could do. The first is just ask him. Ask the creator of the universe, the almighty. God, would you show me that you are real? That'd be the best prayer that you could ever pray in your life. The second thing that I encourage you to do is read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read those four, those four uh, gospels in the Bible because the most, um, the, the most incredible way that God has revealed himself to us is through the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus. Jesus, God became visible through Jesus' life. Get to know him. Get to know not only what he did, not only what he taught, but get to know like who he was and how he feels about you. Because as you read about how he feels about others, I think you're gonna come to to, to to learn how he feels about you and that you're loved by him. And the third thing I'd encourage you to do, and this may be this may be the greatest obstacle to why uh an invisible God doesn't become visible to most people is you have to be willing to be disrupted. You have to be willing to surrender your life, that you know what's best, that you're in control, that you think you know better than the one who created it all, the one who created you. When you're willing to take that step, that's often the moment that he becomes real. So what I'd like to do is I, I'd like to pray for you guys today. I'd like to pray that, that you would start to believe in your potential to impact others for the kingdom as much as God believes in you. And for those of you who, uh, for those of you who have yet to, to fully experience how, just how real God is, I wanna pray for you as well. And next week, if you were asked again, if you're asked again, what opportunities did God give you this week to make the visible, invisible, visible? I hope you got something that will come to your mind just like that. Father God, we are, we are grateful uh, that you are, we're grateful that uh, you have become real to us through the life of Jesus. God, but beyond that, through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, often, we don't often have the words that can fully explain it or describe you. God, but your presence, and your presence is so real, it's palpable. Father, I pray for those of us, God, who are in you, who, who know you're real. God, would you, would you help us to see that, that we are co-laborers with you, that we are your ambassadors, that you are making your appeal through us, sometimes in significant ways, sometimes in little things, in little opportunities, in little moments and conversations that we may not even realize, but they're significant nonetheless. God, I pray we continue to honor you. I pray we continue to look for opportunities to make you known. Father, mostly today I want to pray for those um, God who have yet to, who have yet to experience just how real you are, who've yet to understand that you love them with a love that exceeds any love they would ever experience in this world. God, would you show yourselves to them, reveal yourselves to them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org slash app. There you can find all those same resources, just in a mobile version. We wanna say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.